This is Rob Tubber for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Been a long time, but I'm delighted to be joined today by Ben Davison. We're at the was it the MTK Global Performance Center here down in Harlow. How are you, Ben? All good, thanks, Rob. You? Very well, thanks, mate. Very well. Thanks for having me down here today. This is some place. Yeah, when it's all done it will be, but um early stages, got a few bits to sort out before we uh, can get up and running, but uh looking forward to the road ahead with it all. A work in progress. Almost makes me want to get my workout gear on myself, Ben. Yeah, well, it looks like it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. How are you? Been a while since I saw you. I think the last time I saw you were talking off camera. I think I came and interviewed you right before lockdown. I think the week before lockdown at your mum's house. Mm. How have you been good, sir? Um, yeah, I've been good. Um, just working away, keeping myself busy as everybody else was trying to do through the lockdown. And as soon as possible, as soon as the rules allowed us, straight back to work with the lads. Went over to Fort Ventura first of all. And then came back here and before we know it, it's fight week for Josh Taylor. It certainly is fight week for Josh Taylor. And let's talk straight about that. Obviously, Josh, somebody I know very well. Obviously, I know you very well. What's it been like? Obviously, you've had the extra time now. You've had the lockdown. You've been over to Fuerteventura. It must have been a blessing to have that at the start of a new relationship. Yeah, well, he came over to Dubai and we had our first week in in Dubai. Um, then he rejoined us when we was in Manchester. Then it seemed that uh, that the Saunders Canelo fight was going to happen, so we headed over to Vegas. Then the coronavirus thing sort of happened. We came back all in a in a group what uh, group WhatsApp and that. Um, stayed in touch and as I said as soon as possible when the rules allowed us we went over to the Canary Islands got some training in um, and it was enjoyable it was good you know uh, it's been a while since he's he's got out and really had his teeth teeth into it um, and been in a position where it's fight week so I think he's excited for it I think he's looking forward to it and it's been a good it's been a good progress, some good progression in many different areas. Not trying to overload him with information, but uh yeah, looking forward to Saturday. Let's just talk about that. You mentioned not wanting to overload him with information. It seems like more often than not, at least when a trainer takes a new fighter on, they inevitably kind of say, you know, I don't need to change too much. He's already an elite fighter, he's already a great fighter. You've inherited an unbeaten, unified world champion. I'm guessing that while you obviously want to put your own imprint on him as a coach and work on things that you'd like to work on, mm. there is an element of that, is there? Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's putting sorry, putting my own imprint on him because that'd be a little bit of an ego thing like I need to show, you know, it's just what I see where Josh needs to work on. And each fight at world level is a different fight, you know, a Baranchek style to Kong Sung, for example, completely different style. Pro grade to Baranjek, different style. Um, Pro grade to Postal, completely different style. So you have to go about the fight in different ways. Um, and you have to have layers to your game. Josh has got an excellent toolbox. It's just knowing when, what, how and why to use those tools that he's got. And uh, that's really the area that we've focused on is when to use certain tools in his in his arsenal. Appen and Kong Song uh, went on a podcast yesterday and they, they mentioned the fight with Josh and, and kind of, I think, generally speaking, this is boxing fans, but 
forgive me, but this can certainly be British boxing fans sometimes. If you don't know a fighter, if they come from a, a Thailand, as an Appen and Kong Song does, or somewhere around there, they maybe haven't seen as much of them as as other other fighters based in Europe or America, etc. And then they they kind of underrate them. How good is Appen and Kong Song from your well, the eye that you've been casting over him for the last six months? Yeah, he's a good fighter. Um, I'd say he's got elite level power. I wouldn't say he's got elite level intelligence um, or elite level experience. Um, but he's certainly a dangerous fighter because he's got elite level power. Um, coming from Thailand, he's probably extremely experienced in terms of fighting. So he's probably got a fantastic elite level mindset. And of course, with the situation, he's not walking into the Lions then, you know, 20,000 mad Scotsmen screaming at him. So, you know, uh, there's a few things there to be aware of. And as I say, we are certainly aware of. So, you know, it's about how we go about the fight. It's a difficult one because no matter what, there's not going to be much credit for Josh in this fight because if he goes and blows Kong Song away, he's blown away an unknown. Um, if he goes and... Hazard Fountain comes out with a win, then, you know, oh, it's not been a great performance. Whereas I think that a smart, intelligent performance against Kong Song um, and a good win, it's a tricky fight, I think uh, is, is, is a good performance in itself. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. You mentioned Josh not getting the credit for, for a win or, you know, people not knowing happened on Kong Song. Does that happen for you as well? Is that the same for you? Obviously, again, Josh Taylor, it's your first fight together. He's coming off the back of a career-defining win against Regis Prograde. Shane McGuigan and Josh Taylor both have, have spoke openly about the training relationship between them. Obviously, the, the reasons that Josh left weren't necessarily to do with that. Are you kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't in this situation? Is it, is it kind of a case of, for you, that you, there's not really a... Guess what I'm trying to say. Are you in a no-win situation? To a certain degree, I understand what you're saying, but it was the same situation with Tyson. Um, you know, no matter what, there's going to be that element of, ah, oh, but, you know, when a fight is achieved before you're working with them. Um, but also, in any, when you're in the spotlight, you know, there's always going to be naysayers and this and that, and the focus isn't really, I don't, Josh coming out with a win, the credit is not mine. The credit is Josh Taylor's, and um, he's the one that gets in there. He's the one that does the job. Um, it's just my job to give him the the, the guide and, and and the plan on on the best way to do so. So, you know, when Josh comes out victorious on Saturday, the praise is all his. Without obviously over divulging your game plan or giving away too much information, what sort of things have you been working on for Josh? As you mentioned, Lappin and Conson and Regis Progate really are worlds apart in style. What are we expecting to see from Josh going into this fight? Well, we've seen a lot of, with Josh, elite-level tenacity, elite-level conditioning, elite-level uh, intensity, all these kinds of things. But in this fight, we need to see elite-level intelligence. Um, and that's not saying that Josh Taylor not being what we know Josh Taylor for, it's just when, you know. As I said before, it's about when, what, how and why. Um, and he's picking his moments. Um, as I said, he's fully aware of Kong Song's strengths and weaknesses, and that's for him to to exploit. Obviously, Josh is not overlooking this fight. 
everybody's talking about the Jose Ramirez undisputed fight. Let's go back a few weeks. Uh, Victor Postel against Jose Ramirez. I know you would have watched the fight. What did you make of Jose Ramirez's performance? You know, st- styles make fights, and I always thought that that style was a tough, tough fight for for Ramirez. So the fact that he come out with a win for me is a good performance. You know, um, Postel's a top, top fighter. So I think it's a bit harsh the way people have sort of played it down a little bit. I think Ramirez is a top quality fighter, but I just think stylistically for Josh, it's a good matchup. Going back to Josh, obviously a couple of weeks ago, well, last week, kind of losing track of time in 2020, you went down to to have a look at kind of lockdown boxing, really, and stepped into the bubble and watched fight night. What was it like for you? Obviously, you mentioned the fact there's not going to be 20,000 screaming Scots there on Saturday night. Josh said to me earlier, he doesn't care. What's it going to be like for you working in that situation? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I certainly took away from um, going to that the event was that as soon as a fight that sort of grabbed your interest took off, you completely forgot about your surroundings. And it's it's how it is in a fight anyway, you know. I'm usually very cool, calm and collected in a corner. Um, so I don't really get emotionally carried away. Um, so I just think you'll, I'll I'll be able to be the same whether there is or whether there isn't um but it was certainly it was certainly interesting at the very beginning i was a bit but as i said once things got going it just became the norm going back to jose ramirez obviously myself included being a boxing fan looking forward to that undisputed 140 pound fight between him and and josh taylor uh, Jack Cattrall, in the last kind of month or so, in the last six weeks, obviously he's been mandatory for a long time, but it looks as though the WBO are keen to enforce. <laughs> yeah. Keen right. to enforce. That's okay. <laughs> keen to enforce the mandatory. Not coronavirus. Not coronavirus, and we are two meters apart, which is why I'm leaning forward so so significantly and almost falling over. But anyway, um, Jack Cattrall, a threat to Jose Ramirez, in your opinion? Jack Cattrall's a uh, a really good fighter. Um, at world level, everybody he's only shot mandatory defense. He's only shot. They're all a threat. They're all a threat. There is no easy fights at world title contention, and that's why you see so many fighters win a world title but struggle to keep defending it. Um, because everybody's got to be treated. You're you've got to have that challenger mindset because every fighter's coming and having that that one night is what they've dreamed of for ten, fifteen, twenty years. So. There is no easy fights at, at, uh, at world level. So, of course, he's a, he's a threat for sure. Just touch upon what you've said there. It's something that we've spoken about before um, on numerous occasions. Kind of fighters who have you know started boxing when they're six or whatever, for example. It's always about getting to the world title. Once you get the world title, then what do you do? Josh Taylor has always talked to me about becoming undisputed champion. Boxing, and, uh, boxing at Edinburgh Castle and, and setting these new goals out for him. Is that good coming into this fight that obviously he's now with a new team, he's now with yourself, that gives him that little bit of extra impetus to stay on that road? That's something that I'm really, really impressed with with Josh is he's constantly setting himself new goals. I want to be undisputed. Become world champion, want to be unified. Now wants to be undisputed. Then wants to be a multi-weight world champion. And having that, and it's not something he just throws up in the air. He believes it. He believes in himself and believes that he can achieve it. And that's a massive, massive asset to have. Um, so something that I'm very impressed with with Josh and something that's very important if you want if you want to remain at the top. 
Now, somebody I know that you know well um, from our various uh, jaunts stateside, Mr. Andre Ward had some interesting things to say about Josh Taylor. I know you have a lot of respect for Andre Ward and certainly wouldn't kind of base your whole opinion on him from one kind of out of text, out of context comment. But words to the effect of Josh Taylor's not an inside fighter. Josh Taylor can't fight on the inside. No, you would have heard it. What are your thoughts on those comments? Well, there's lots of different areas to fighting on the inside. Um, as you said, you know, I've got great respect for Andre Ward and I like to think that I've got a good enough relationship with him. So a phenomenal boxing mind, phenomenal boxing mind. And it's a conversation I'd like to have with him. You know, he might see something or have an idea of of where Josh lacks something inside. Um, we know that Josh has phenomenal variety. Um, lands a huge percentage of his shots at mid to short range. Um so there, but there might be, you know, a certain area of the inside fighting that that Ward sees and thinks, well, that could d- develop work, or that might need a bit of work in the Ramirez fight. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to have the conversation with him. But certainly, you know, I don't think Ward would just throw a a comment out there um, without thinking about it. So maybe he sees something, you know, and uh, hopefully at some point we get to have a conversation about it. Well, next time we're out in America, we'll try and make it happen here, live and exclusive on Boxing Social. We'll see. Um, a couple of fights I want to touch on. I mentioned Ivan Baranchek, fighter who I know that you rate very highly, Jose Zapeda fighting mm. Ivan Baranchek. Great fight. Probably one of the fights Brilliant that I'm most fight. looking forward to. Brilliant fight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You know, it's a, it's a real interesting fight. I know that Zapeda done a real good job with Ramirez. Um, you know, I think he feels that he won that fight. So... Yes, uh, I think a lot of people felt that he actually won that fight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yeah, I am uh, I think it, stylistically as well, it's a good matchup for Zapeda. So, uh, but, but we know that Baranchek's a right little terrier and a strong little bull. So, yeah, it should make for a good fight and one I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to. And before we touch upon the rest of your, your growing stable, it seems like every time I talk to you, you've had another addition to the camp. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about somebody else who I know that you rate very, very highly. You boxed this past weekend, Jaron Ennis. Um, mm. Continued his unbeaten start. Uh, really starting to make some noise now at 147 pounds. Uh, I've said about him for a long time, Jaron Ennis. Quality, quality fighter. Best prospect in boxing, in my opinion. And I've said that for a couple of years now. I, the only thing for me is I don't want them holding him back for too long. Not, I'm saying I don't want him like I'm in charge, but I wouldn't like to see him held back for for too long because he can start to get a little bit too comfortable because his ability is world level. Um, he just needs the right fights at the right time for the right experience. Something like a Samuel Vargas, um, a Chris Algieri, a fight like that, um, I think will be the right fight for Jerron Ennis next because he's just having his way in every single moment of every fight at the moment. Um, and he very well could do so at world level as well. He's extremely talented, very well-rounded. Um, looks like he's got a great work ethic and I'm a big fan of his. 
Well, there we go. Uh, so that's quite a ringing endorsement from yourself. I'd um, just like to echo those things. Um, you were actually probably one of the first people I spoke to about Boots Ennis um, a number of years ago. I remember you putting me on to him. And yeah, very, very talented young fighter. We look forward to seeing how he progresses at £147. I think him and Virgil Ortiz in the future is a potential real, real big fight. Um, while I'm here, I might as well ask you about that fight. Virgil Ortiz versus Boots Ennis, £147. Cinco de Mayo 2021, who wins? Probably be 2022. In all honesty, oh, in 2022. So we're talking down down the road a little bit. Depends on development, like I say. We know that Virgil Ortiz... Look, I don't know... I don't know why Dennis's opposition hasn't been stepped up yet. Is it? Is it that they don't feel like he's ready? Because I certainly feel like he's more than ready. Is it the promoters don't want to pay the money? Maybe I'm that, that's not true. I don't know. Um, maybe something to do with the broadcasters. I don't know. Virgil Ortiz, we know that he boxed Samuel Vargas last time out. I think that's the right fight to see for for Jerron Ennis. I'm not being I'm not being biased because I've got nothing to be biased for. But I just think that with the right fights over that period of time that you're talking about there. For me, Jerron Ennis go, is the one that I look at and says has the most potential. Um, but of course, you know, as I say, I think it's important that he gets the right fights at this point. So, with the right fights and that in that period of time, I fancy Jerron Ennis to be making real, real big waves in the worldweight division in in boxing altogether. To be honest. Uh, fight I'd like to get your opinion on Jamal Charlo versus Sergei Derevyanchenko. Well, it seems like it's all creeping up on everybody now. We've got this really top, top heavy end to the year, which I'm certainly not complaining about. But how do you see that fight going? It's a good fight. I know Derevyanchenko's coming in off a loss, but I think he's coming off with the momentum mm, because it was a good performance against Golovkin. And I think that that fight and the Danny Jacobs fight could potentially stand him in good stead to. Uh, Although he's had less fights, I think that experience him with that quality may see him through and may be the difference in this fight. But I just think, stylistically as well, I think it would be a good fight. And I fancy the fight that I see the two styles coming into, I just fancy that experience and that momentum that Deryevchenko is coming in off being the difference. You mentioned Golovkin as a potential opponent for Billy Joe Saunders. Obviously, Boxerga, the Revinchenko last time. I think it's fair to say that we're starting to see some some quite clear and obvious signs of slippage now from Gennady Golovkin. Would you agree with that? Um, is he the same fighter who boxed Matthew Macklin and Martin Murray? Uh, you're basing that off of the Deryovchenko performance. Me personally, no. I, I think there's been a gradual decline in, in Golovkin, but I think it's a, it's been a marked decline in the Deryovchenko fight. Uh, that's my opinion. I'm wondering what yours is. It's a difficult one because I think, I know the rumour was, oh, he wasn't well. Um, he's had a change of coach. The Steve Rose performance wasn't fantastic. But when you've been at that top, top level and that the opposition just drops that little bit, that extra little bit of butterflies, nerves, sharpness, edginess, that extra, that extra little bit that gives you the extra little bit of not going to say fear yeah you know what I mean yeah. it's not there and it shows you know it shows so it'll be interesting to see him up against a top elite fighter 
and see how he uh, again I think he's got that Cesar Remata or I'm not sure how you say his name the Polish Zeremita Zeremetz or something the Zeremita. mandatory European champion yeah you know again I don't think that's a fight that's going to get the juices flowing for Golovkin but but what's next for him May so yeah interesting to see you'd imagine so taking into consideration the amount of fights he's had the type of fights he's had his age um, changing trainer um, but you never know it'd be an interesting one can't say and if you used to fight him you definitely couldn't be going look we're not fighting the same man you have to prepare for the same man because if the same man turns up and the old dog's got one more big fight in him then uh, he's no easy fight that's for sure yeah, I think mean, the kind of saying that goes goes along with boxing is like always great for one night. You can still pull it back for that one night if you've been as great as he has throughout his career, which he has, of course. Um, moving on, Lee McGregor. Really good to see Lee today. Um, obviously, I've known Lee for a long time from his time with Shane McGuigan. Great to see him in the camp. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. I know that you've you've spoken with Lee over a, probably a number of months, or I certainly have a relationship. What's it like having him in the gym, and and how did it come about? Great lad, Lee, come over. He come over and spent a week with me last year, but I'd, I'd, Tyson was there, Billy Joe was there, Isaac was there, and I was travelling back and forth, and I'd said to him, I can't nail myself down somewhere at the moment, but of course I can help out for a week, 10 days, whatever it was. So Lee come over, top lad, really nice lad, good learner, uh, good manners, really like him. Um, and then he come over to Fort Ventura, and went over to Fort Ventura, Josh come over, Terry McCormack come over, and Lee McGregor come over. Spent a week there. He was telling me about his make the way he struggled to make weight. I said I can put you on to somebody. Put him on to Dave Stash, top 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 nutritionist, and uh, he was just like Ben. This I can't believe it. Like from what I was doing to how I've done this is night and day. Um, and just a natural progression of him to to make his way over here. Now we've got the gym here and that. So, um. Yeah, he had his first week last week. Really enjoyed it. As I say, good learner, and it's uh, it's good to have him in the gym. Talk to me a little bit about that because he's one of the bigger bantamweights that I've seen that I've come across. And obviously, he the, he came back at super bantamweight, and there was kind of some talk about where his his well, I say where his weight would eventually lie. I think we can both agree that it will eventually go quite significantly north of where he is now. Um, but bantamweight now, so obviously you've got the SNC on board, no concerns about that, obviously going into a, a tough fight against Karim Gurphy. Karim is a good fight, it's, it is a tough fight, and I think, you know, I know he'd struggled to make weight, and I haven't watched a full fight back with him and Cash Farouk, um, but that tough 12 rounds will stand him in good stead going into this fight, so, um, yeah, and, and, and so from a week already, you know, a couple of little changes, a couple of adjustments, explaining a few things to him, he picks things up very quickly. So I think you'll see a big improvement in Lee um, and, and and see a good performance from him for the European title as well. Obviously, Lee is now fighting for the European title. He's made no secret of his desire to get on with things throughout his professional career. Reminds me of a certain Josh Taylor. Obviously, they, they, Josh was kind of the cycle before him in the amateurs. Lee does have that kind of admiration for Josh, mm -hmm. much the same as Josh had for, for your Ricky Burns's and people like that. Is it going to be part of your role to kind of, I mean, of course it's part of your role to kind of taper those, not expectations for him, but just make sure he takes the right fights at the right times? Part, partly mine, but it's my job to communicate with MTK and discuss about how his development's going and 
and where we see him being ready and physically and mentally, emotionally, technically, tactically. So, um, yeah, partly, but partly with MTK as well. You know, they've done it numerous times now, so they know where he's at, and I've got a great relationship with them. So, yes, yeah, uh, it shouldn't be a job too difficult. And certainly, obviously, I mean, I've kind of posed that question as it's some sort of negative. It's not a negative, mm. but obviously can be. But it's still good to have that in you that you want to achieve so much so quickly. Yeah, 100%. And what a um, what a role model to a certain degree to have uh, in someone like Josh Taylor. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, first time I've ever met Shabazz Masood today. The first time ever, live in the flesh, live and direct. Everybody I speak to about him Maverick. is even... The Maverick, indeed. Everybody I speak to about him tells me about how skilled and talented and, and what a great fighter he is. Also seems to be a really nice kid as well, which is great. Uh, talk to me a little bit about his development. Yeah, exactly that. He's, uh, he's a real, real well-mannered lad. Um, and a top-quality fighter. Fantastic skills. Again, these lads are here because they've got a bundle of talent. So lots of tools in their arsenal. It's just knowing when, what, how and why to use those tools, sharpen those tools, and may add a few more ingredients into the toolbox. So, um, again, a good learner, real, real hungry learner. God, he drives me mad, and I'm mad for it. So, Ben, what about this? Ben, what about that? What do you think about this? Did you watch this? Did you watch that? Um, but it's great to have that, you know. Straight away, obviously, I've mentioned, we spoke about uh, Jerron Ennis. And I've mentioned him to, to Shabazz straight away. He's coming Monday morning. Did you watch it? I watched it. I watched the full fight. You know, it's uh, it's good to have, have, have a lad like that as well, you know. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to his, his long term for him and, and, and the potential he's got to see him doing big things. What's the plan for him next? I, like, randomly, a couple of days ago, I got a load of direct messages from Michael Ramabletsa. Well, obviously, he's mandatory for Ramabletsa's English title. Is that the fight that we could expect to see him in sometime soon? Yeah, that's the fight that, that we're looking for. That's the fight that, that, as you say, Shabazz is mandatory for. Just waiting for a date from Frank Warren and BT Sport, um, who Shabazz is signed with. So, as soon as we get that date, then uh, that's what will be coming up for Shabazz. Good kid, Michael Ramabletsa. Underrated fighter, sort of gone under the radar a little bit, and certainly no small test for Shabazz at this stage of his career. That's right. Obviously, his record's not the best, but coming into it as late, I think that. Well, not I think that. I know he has because I can I can see it that he's he's really really stepped up a level. Um, his intelligence, his demeanour, his poise. Um, he's a lot smarter fighter now than he was before. And I think he may have a little bit more hunger than, than maybe he did before. You know, his last three fights, he's blown away three prospects um, that were supposed to be able to go on and do something. So it's no easy fight, that's for sure. OK, well, seeing as it's the first time I've seen you in a while, I'm going to bend your ear on a few non-Ben Davison-related things. You know this part's coming. It always comes at the end of every interview. Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin. Shocking uh, knockout win for Alexander Povetkin. Um what did you make of the performance? I thought that he was boxing well, Dillian. Um, but it was one of them. I was asked numerous times before it, and I did say that if the pair of them start hooking, hooking with a hooker is two hookers. So it becomes 50-50, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I heard Dave Caldwell in the corner say to him, don't keep giving him that left hook to the body. Um, and that's what it sort of resulted to, you know. I think Dillian's got a bit of a, not a problem, but a, a, a technical er error where he sort of tucks up in his shell and, 
head straight down as opposed to takes his head off the line. And I think, you know, that's the reason why he's been hit with a few uppercuts against the likes of um, Rivas. Rivas, Joshua, uh, Povetkin, and then what did Joseph Parker drop him with? I can't straight remember. Line. So, you know, but I also got to say, huge respect for the way that he's taking it. Like a true man. Uh, took it on the chin, straight back to work, looking to put it right. Massive, massive respect for that. So, yeah, I hope that he comes through it uh, in the rematch. Um, you know, I think he's he's learnt from his mistake. In the heavyweight division, it's a difficult one because if you get your man hurt, there's a time and a place. Uh, it's very difficult to know, is it the right time to put your foot on the gas? Because there's always a risk, but in the heavyweight division... There is always that risk, as we always say, as in any division, but especially the heavyweight division. So it was a difficult one. They've both shared a few rounds of each other now. So it'd be interesting to see how the first few rounds play out in that rematch. Now, obviously, somebody that you know fairly well, Mark Tibbs, kind of went into that fight. Well, I said went into that fight, was initially the trainer kind of back end of last year. That that since changed with Xavier Miller. There was obviously you mentioned that you felt that Dillian White boxed well in those first four rounds. What notable changes, if any, did you see from from kind of the Mark Tibbs version to the Xavier Miller version of Dillian White? I didn't. I wouldn't say I saw huge changes. Um, I wouldn't say I saw huge changes. What I noticed, whether it's you know, I can't say it's got anything to do with anybody other than Dillian White himself, to be honest with you, was that he just looked like you know he took himself away and had his mind on his job and was really focused, and that's a great thing to see for any fighter. So he's got got straight back to it and and doing the same again. So he'll know what he needs to do when he's in there. Um, in terms of the relationship between Mark and Dillian, you know, I've got no idea on that. Um, I felt like in the corner he was giving some decent advice, as I say, Dave Caldwell. So that I don't know Xavier, um, so I can't comment on that either. Um, it's very easy to go and point the finger or people make these assumptions and whatnot, but I'm sure that him and Mark had discussed the fight before they, before he went into the fight and spoke about the best way to go about it as well. So it's just one of them, wasn't it? You know, he dropped him a couple of times, was doing well, didn't really look under huge threat. Um, looked comfortable and got hit with a shot. Took his eye off the eye off the ball for a second, and 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 that happened. But it's everywhere boxing and that can happen. And it, like I say, I'm just interested to see how the rematch goes in the first few rounds. Yeah, that's kind of what I was coming on to. Really, the reason why I asked that is obviously now he's going into an immediate rematch, and it is a very immediate rematch mm. with a new coach as well. And obviously, you, you're kind of on the back of a Owen one with a new coach. You, I. Potentially, would think that you maybe want to remove yourself and maybe work on certain things or give yourself a little bit of a time. What do you make of the turnaround in between in between the first and second fights, considering the well, the brutal knockout? Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to think that Dillian's had the right team around him, as opposed to the right checks, the right scans, the right doctors to give him the advice whether it's too early, not too early, the right time, or whatnot. I'm not a doctor, so I can't give him that that advice um, to a science to, on a science level, you know and what's right and what's wrong. But um, you'd like to think that he's had all that done to make sure that he'll be 100% on the night. Um, so, yeah. Do you think he comes through the rematch? Um, yes, I do. 
I think he needs to make sure he knocks any confidence out of Dillian, uh, out of Alexander Perfecting early and doesn't let him get into a flow and start dictating the fight um, from the first round out of keep. What I mean is, Povetkin keep giving him that threat, giving him that threat, giving him that threat, and then Dillian White being reactive as opposed to proactive. So, um, I think that Dillian White needs to start start fast, not hooking with a hooker, obviously, but start fast and and put the uh, have Povetkin reacting to what he's doing and and let him know that he's the boss in there again and sort of get back to how he started off the last fight. Um, but I think he'll be able to do that, and I think he'll come through. Fingers crossed. Okay, well, not for, not for any reason that like I want to see a fight afterwards, but I just it's it's rare that you see a fighter go about a loss of that magnitude in the way that Dillian White has. And although he's said things and done things that I might not have agreed with, or he slagged me off before, um, but you know what sort of character he is. He's you know he's, he is how he is. Whenever I've seen him, he's got on fine and. Um, you know, I just massively respect the the way that he's gone about it. Like I say, it's very rare that you you see someone just take it on the chin and and get back to it. And uh, yeah, so for that, I'd like to see him be victorious. Okay. Well, before I let you go, it wouldn't be right not to speak of the biggest pay per view event to end 2020. I am, of course, talking about Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul, uh, which is the, the rumoured exhibition. It seems like 2020 just has a, its own way of making things a little bit more crazy and crazy. Mayweather versus Logan Paul exhibition. Does that whet your appetite, Ben? No, please don't ever ask me that question again. Seriously. Do you know what? I always use Mayweather as an example as to the lads and that, and I just... What a career is that? Please don't do that. Please. Let's not talk about it. Seriously. It's a disgrace. Especially what boxing's gone through this year. Please. But it looks like it might well happen. I can't even think about it, to be honest. I can't. It's shocking. And it's not good for pay-per-view, in my opinion. I may be wrong, and I'm not an expert on it. But... I don't think he's very good for the pay-per-view market in America. No, it's safe to say that you won't be buying it. Well, <laughs> nah, listen. I don't think it will, but God willing it don't. Okay. All right, Ben. Well, always a pleasure catching up with you. I thought it was the first time this year that we've spoken, but I did remember that other interview that we did right at the very start of lockdown. But nice to see you looking so well. You're looking slim, slimmer than I've seen you um, in some instances in the past. So congratulations on that. I'm not, but that's why I'm this side of the camera, not that. Um, always a pleasure catching up with you. I wish you all the best in your first bout with unified champion Josh Taylor this weekend at your call. As always, thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social, Ben Davison. Thanks, Rob. What? <laughs>